Hello, wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. I am on the phone with my friend Raheem Andrews, and we are going to talk about the next generation of justice. Hey, Raheem. Hey, Jason. How are you? Good, man. Thanks so much for, for doing this. I know that you just moved out of Boone, but you grew up in Boone mostly. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So I moved to Boone when I was about 13, 14 years old. Okay. Um, so I was uh, still very young. I, I will say that I grew up in Boone because uh, that's where I learned a lot of my life lessons when I first moved out of the house when I was like 18. That was a big time for me. I lived in Boone for that first year of college. So, um, yeah, I learned a lot there in high school and everything. So, And, I mean, I didn't know that I had kind of – I kind of knew you. Not really, but we got to know each other recently. But then I looked in our church database and realized that you had attended – our church at least once because there's a little picture of you as a teenager in there and your phone number is that right so you came to the heart yeah that's correct i used to go to the heart um before i moved out of uh uh boone i moved or i was going to the heart and that was just uh the church to be at my friend invited me one time so I went ahead and took that invite, and I absolutely loved it. I've never been to a church like that before, so I really enjoyed it. I forgot that they took my photo and everything. That's awesome. (laughs) I don't know if it's just something that you uploaded or we did or whatever, but I was like, hey, there's Raheem, except he looks like a kid. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds right. That's awesome. So um, let me just start off. I mean, if anyone's kind of wondering how and why I'm interviewing Raheem, Raheem is the one who organized a, a recent justice rally uh, in Boone. And so, yeah, can, can you walk through a little bit of your Boone upbringing, or at least, you know, your teenage years in Boone, and in particular, how and why you decided to organize a justice rally in Boone? Yeah, so, like I said, I moved to Boone, um, went to high school at Watauga, and um, my upbringing has always been, I grew up in the church, always was, um, I have five sisters. So I grew up in the church, always like went to my friend's house after church and everything like in Fayetteville where I was um, uh, born. Mm-hmm. So I always had my friends there and that'd be my outlet to go because like, five sisters is a lot. And um, so whenever I moved to Boone, I kind of lost all of that. So I would. It took me a little while to kind of get behind the power curve. I moved there my sophomore year, so everyone had already made friends. It was like kind of the worst year to move high schools. But um, I ended up being the only black guy in my entire graduating class, which is just insane to me from the high school that I had transferred from. I would have never thought that would have been a thing. Um, So that was pretty crazy to me. Uh, Some of the things I went through and some of the racism I faced uh, was one of the factors uh, to me wanting to do this um, this social injustice rally. But I think more so, it was more so for the kids who are going to be going to that school soon. And black kids and minorities, like my sister, who's going to be going there soon, like, I don't want her or any of them to have to feel some of the 
ways that I felt due to some of the things that were said to me, things that were done to me. And it was just a lot that I, I had to, you know, come to terms with and I would fight for them all the time. So this was my way of fighting for that next, that next generation and fighting for pretty much their safety. And you should be safe at school. You should have fun at school. You should learn at school. And sometimes I didn't have all of those. So, yeah, I mean, uh, my family, uh, my wife, Kimberly, and, and our two daughters, they're 10 and 7. And we were at we were at your rally, and uh, and you know just being around so many wonderful people wearing masks and trying to stay di- socially distant, and um, you shared something that at that that I was hoping to ask if you'd be willing to share some of again, because I know plenty of people that they were not at that rally, not because they didn't want to be, but because they weren't sure how they felt about the social distancing as far as COVID nineteen is concerned. And so for, for the people who either live in Boone that wanted to be at that and couldn't or, or, or didn't feel necessarily safe because of COVID, or, or maybe they just didn't know about it until afterwards, or maybe just for people who don't live in Boone and, you know, they, they didn't get a chance to, they haven't gotten a chance to be at any, any rally or, or demonstration. Can you share a bit about, I mean, in particular, you shared at the beginning, you shared, you said you, you, wanted to share something that not what Boone wants to hear, but what Boone needs to hear Uh, in particular, sharing a a really uh, formative negative story in your high school experience. And are you comfortable sharing any of that with us? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, So yeah, I know there's a few people who didn't get to go and everything like that. And some of it was because they didn't know what kind of message I was going to be putting out. And um, I wanted to make sure that everyone knew that this was a unifying event, that everything was going to be peaceful. Um, You know, I can't 100% guarantee a peaceful protest. But uh, I was very, very um, elated with the way things um, turned out. But, yeah, so when I started by saying uh, I was going to tell Boone what they needed to hear versus what they wanted to hear... Uh, I think often sometimes people just kind of want to go tone deaf to some of the experiences and kind of just want to say, hey, we don't have a racial problem here. Boom. Or, hey, like this doesn't happen here. You know what I mean? It, it was more so like, how can you kind of say that if you won't listen to, you know, some of our experiences? So one of my experiences in particular was I was a sophomore on the um, on the soccer team at Watauga high school. And, um, there was a a guy, my teammate who called me the N word with a hard R multiple times. And that was the first time in my life that I have ever been called that to my face like that. And it enraged so much anger and just, emotion inside of me that like I almost lost it. my teammates had to like tackle me to stay like to keep me from getting to him um we had to be separated and everything to the point where I got in my um I got my parents car that day and I just bawled my eyes out I just completely lost it it was just like all that like rage and emotion coming out because I had already like i had said been the only black kid in our graduating class and now i had felt even more alone 
and nothing happened to him. Um, my teammate, nothing happened to him at all. Uh, literally the next practice, it was like none of that ever happened, and it really affected me. And I don't think, I don't think my my coach at the time really realized how much damage that did to me to the point where I became super reserved and I didn't really want to talk to anybody on the team or anyone at that time. It was just like super hard to go through. So I think telling Boone what they they need to hear was more so that, hey, like I went through this. This was not long ago. Like this was four or five years ago. And um this is happening right here. And like, if you, if we don't educate you on this stuff and we, if we don't tell you what's going on here, then when will the change actually happen? Cause that was one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life. So yeah, that was a uh, pretty traumatizing. I'm sorry, man. I, uh, I, that to me was that story was one of the biggest moments for me at that rally, especially having our daughters there listening and, you know, them being uh, residents of Watauga County, future Watauga High School students. And uh, in particular, I feel like what sat deeply with me was not just, and I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize the fact that your teammate called you the N-word multiple times. I don't want to minimize it when I say just, but it seemed as if what hurt you just as much or more. Now, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's what I remember. Was that not even the coaching staff or any other adults or anyone actually had your back when it was said or afterwards? Yeah, correct. No one had her back. My um, my parents wanted to go and talk to the principal. Um, couldn't get a meeting. Uh, couldn't you know? Couldn't get anything done at that time. It was it was super hard to see it was like no one cared like this was okay like this was normal i would say for sure that probably hurt the most rather than the word no one really cared that that had made me feel so singled out and alone and that to me when i've been thinking about a way forward as a culture as a country that of course individual racist thoughts and remarks and actions are horrible but what I think a lot of what we're talking about right now is how to deal with this corporately. Mm. And that it seems as if, and this might just be kind of my, maybe part of my faith tradition coming in, but it's, it seems as if there will be sin in the world. There will be brokenness. We might not be able to remove all negative thoughts that people have as individuals i.e. we might not be able to stop all future teammates from using the n-word right but but we can decide corporately communally that we will not stand for it and that we will together uh resolve those things and bring correction with those things and 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 have people's back when when they're um slandered and you know and harmed and so that's what i feel like it's not just is about like well how can we have all future teammates to not say that although that would be amazing um i think part of the way forward is hopefully that never happens but if it does happen again and i'm sure it continues to happen around the country that the, the 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 school systems the coaches the other teammates the parents sets of parents would be 
pursuing the right thing. Mm, I agree. So let me ask, I'm, I want to kind of shoot some uh, phrases at you and ask you what these phrases mean to you. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. I think that phrase means to me that, well, at my rally, I said this as well, but I think that that Black Lives Matter is just the bare minimum of what of what that should be. Like, I think that Black lives are definitely needed. Black lives are are desired. Black lives are amazing, and Black Lives Matter. I think is just the kickoff of starting to get a lot of people to kind of wake up and realize some of the the injustices that have been going on in the world. I think that saying Black Lives Matter is a good start, but there's also a lot of work to be done with Black Lives Matter. So I think it was a good kickoff. A lot of people I've, I've come into contact with post-protests have um, tried to shape it to be political, and I just view it as it's not political in any way. It is literally the bare minimum of saying that a life matters. I totally agree with you. I, do you have any theories about why some people don't like the phrase? Um, I think that there. So I, I was trying to plan another event here recently and uh, get local businesses to uh, uh, kind of um, chip in to like bring a community, bring our community together again. But uh, one of the common things I kept getting from some of these local business owners is I just can't get behind the the dialogue of the Black Lives Matter website. Okay. So um, I think that that kind of got skewed in it because there's a uh, Black Lives Matter club coming to Watauga this year that I was helping or I was helping out with, and um, I was going to fundraise for them without them knowing. I'm just going to surprise them with this budget so they can go and do things and go and bond. And I was going to try and connect them with the App State Black Student Union so they could go like on trips or football games together, you know, if COVID wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I explained that to these people who were trying to say it was completely political. Um, I think it's just kind of what people want to take it as at that point, because you'll talk to some people and you say Black Lives Matter, and that is just saying that life matters, and that should be like, you know, like, oh, wow, that's correct. Yeah. And then some people say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What about this life and this life and this life and this life? But what we're saying here is that our lives have been mattering. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think there will always be people, outliers, to what you're trying to get done, what you're trying to say, like a Black Lives Matter movement versus trying to make Black Lives Matter um, political. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I feel like it's unfortunate that a phrase that short and simple and would hopefully be so obvious could be hijacked in people's minds because of some other issues related to some website or some organization that might have other beliefs in addition to that phrase. Mm -hmm. I wish we could move past that kind of stuff and just say that those three words are true words. And like you said, because like when our constitution was written, when it said for liberty with justice for all, 
with liberty and justice for all that it didn't actually mean all. Right. And that um, when it said that all men are created equal, they didn't actually mean all. And so in in my mind, if the word all was used, but it didn't mean all, there needs to be future clarification of, of who matters that has not been treated as such. I think indigenous people matter and that there will be and should be a time where that phrase is used as well. And so many more. I mean, you could even, you could say women because like when it said all men are created equal, women could, didn't even have rights, (laughs) couldn't vote and own land. And, uh, but in particular, this, this window of time that we're really wanting to emphasize black lives, um, it's, it's really sad to me when someone won't align themselves with a very simple phrase because of an additional agendas connected with that phrase. And I understand it can be a fear-based thing for people to not want to align with something that they don't fully agree with uh, in terms of the website. But, uh, well, thanks for sharing that. Here's another phrase. What does no justice, no peace mean to you? I think no justice, no peace means to me that there has been so many injustices that the peace that people were yearning for, like when you saw a lot of the the um, riots and things like that, I think that I saw this really good quote that said that you cannot tell black people how to how to grieve from that sort of pain that you were putting them through and I think that was from Martin Luther King he said that writing was the the black person's way of showing grief and I think when they say no justice no peace I I mean Breonna Taylor's murderers are still out on the streets walking normal like they're still as free of a citizen as anyone right now uh, quote unquote and I think that 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 is just the no peace part of that because why if we're so if we're so bent over you know laws and um, doing the right thing and justifiable things then everyone should be held accountable to that so if you're not going to give justice to those who deserve it uh, for this case it's someone who's still in the grave who shouldn't have died um, then you're not going to get any peace about it. We're not going to really forget about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. What was it like when you organized the rally? Because you just graduated from college, right? Mm-hmm. And that was at UNC Charlotte? Yes, sir. Yeah, UNC Charlotte. Go Niners. <laughs> then you decided to try to organize a, a, a rally, a justice walk rally. Um, peaceful protest in in the town that you grew up in as a teenager. What uh, what did you do? For like, who did you contact? How did you organize it? Um, so it was just a whirlwind of a lot. I had actually reached out to a lot of different locals to try and um, at least get a little bit of help on it. Uh, I ended up not being able to work out, so I kind of had a pretty much take most of that burden on myself so that honestly caused a lot of um anxieties towards like 
Like I wouldn't, Oh, I'll get to that part in a second. But I I just really, I worked with um, Boone PD. That was probably the first, one of the first phone calls I made. Because I thought you needed like some type of uh, permit to do a protest. But um, so I called the town of Boone and they said, hey, you don't need this. But if you want to just allow or let Boone PD know so they can maybe do some traffic control for you. um, If you're expecting a large crowd. So I said, okay. I called them. I didn't get an answer at first, and then I had the chief of police call me, and we spoke for probably about an hour and a half about just getting to know each other, really, and then just kind of what I wanted to see happen and what he, um, how we could make sure that stays safe in that regard. And then um, my parents told me to reach out to um, Pastor Reggie to have him pray before, so he ended up being able to do that, and then... I had, and then he ended up speaking too, which was honestly amazing as well. I was glad that he ended up doing that. And then I reached out to a uh, to Black and Boone. Um, they unfortunately couldn't make it, and I reached out to the Black Student Union as well, their president or anyone on the board if they wanted to send anyone to speak. And I don't think any of them were in town um, due to COVID. So uh, then I was left with the um, and then uh, the chief of police directed me towards the uh, deputy council at App State, who's Toussaint Romain, who ended up speaking too. He actually originally said no to me. And then probably about 24 hours before the march, he called me and he said, hey, you saw that spot open. And I was like, you can speak the whole time if you want to, because he changed my life in like 15 minutes on the phone with him. So, yeah, it was really stressful trying to plan all that out. I had a lot of donations from like the hospital um, they gave me uh, close to like 300 masks, which was really cool. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember at the end there, uh, a lot of the local businesses on that on King Street were just giving out free food and yeah. free waters, and yeah, yeah. it was just it was really it was really cool to see that. And then, did you also work with App State Police Department? Yes. Yeah, so I reached out to App State Police Department, kind of closer to the to the day, that's probably what I forgot, um, because one of their officers, um, Officer Cook, she is, uh, she's a black woman. Uh, I asked if she would march up front with me as well as the police chief of App State and Boone PD. So that was really cool to get to work with them. They provided, um, they brought their like um, drug dog and their, or not drug dog, bomb dog to like go through our parking deck and go through the route a couple of times. They constantly were in communication with me to make sure everything was safe. That was my number one thing was just making sure everyone stayed safe. Mm-hmm. Cause believe it or not, I did get some death threats um, mm-hmm. sent at me and I wasn't more so worried about what they would do to me. But if someone came out there peacefully and ended up getting hurt in any type of form or fashion, that would have really took a toll on me. Sure. For a very long time. Sure. So overall, uh, how would you describe what it was like in in the midst of you know all that's been going on and all the polarizing opinions and what was it like organizing a justice rally but coordinating it with Boone Police Department and App State Police Department? Uh, it was definitely different. I had a couple of people who weren't okay with that and. Um, I had to make it clear that everything that 
we were doing was this was a unifying event. Um, I it was it was tough. I, I'm not gonna mm. lie, it was tough cause hearing from a couple friends saying like, "Why would you do that?" Um, Etc. But I was like, you have to know what kind of crowd you're talking to to even get them to listen. So having the chief of police up there with me saying something that completely negates any type of thought that Raheem is here just throwing a protest that is counter police, no police, get rid of the police type of um, notions that they might come up with because people will assume anything. Right. So I wanted to make sure that first and foremost was out the window in Boone, North Carolina, because I know Boone, North Carolina. Yeah. And I would have lost a lot of people if I didn't actually do that. So, and it was really cool. The chief of police, uh, Andy LeBeau, is one of the most honest. He's a kind man. He's a man of God as well. We talked literally every day. We would just send each other Bible verses and our devotions. And, you know, it was nerve-wracking at some points. Like like I was saying with the death threats and stuff, I had a guy say that he was going to bring his um, shotgun and he couldn't wait to show off his shotgun someday. And, like... Another guy saying he was going to drive through the crowd and things like that. It's just super ignorant because these people didn't know me at all. And like they didn't even want to reach out to me to get to know me. You know, they just wanted sure. to judge sure. me right. off of just what I was trying to do. So I made sure that everything was safe. I'm working with the uh, chief of police of Boone and um, App State. It was really cool to kind of form those relationships. And they're still going on to this day. Like I still talk to chief andy quite a bit so yeah i've also known andy for lots of years and i think very highly of him he's very uh like you said honest and very loving and i also know uh the off app state officer that you referred to as a matter of fact i had co-taught with reggie that morning we did like a co-sermon together and Mm -hmm. and the female officer you're talking about was part of the music team so i saw her in i guess you could say her civilian clothes that morning <laughs> oh wow and then i saw her at your event uh that evening and it took me a second to recognize her um that's awesome yeah yeah so would you say that it went like you expected um i'm, I'm one of those people who you pray for the best but you prepare for the worst okay. type of person so um I had I had no idea it would have gone that way. How well it went, like it still doesn't even feel real to me that that even happened in Boone, North Carolina. Um, it still is just a surreal feeling like that. It went so it went way better than I could have possibly imagined it going. It was just super. It, it felt like an outer body experience, honestly. Like. It just didn't feel like that was actually happening. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the outcome of it. It was amazing. Can you put into some words why it was surprising to you that that you said you went out of your way to say in Boone, North Carolina? I have maybe right. I have maybe a, a guess or two of why you said that, but mm-hmm. why why do you, why was it a surprise that that kind of event was so successful in Boone, North Carolina? Um, so yeah, I put the emphasis on Boone, North Carolina more so because I can count on probably two hands how many black families are in Boone, North Carolina. And, um, I didn't expect that kind of support, especially with some of the things that I had gone through 
living in Boone, like I had mentioned, and yeah. just some of the the people that I went to high school with, you know, their right. families and things like that. Like I never would have thought that Boone would have showed up as much as they did. And right. with that small town and we had like thirteen hundred people there, that is just that's unreal to me. Like it still doesn't feel real. And the size of Boone and the kind of taste that Boone left in my mouth when I moved to Charlotte. Sure. I didn't, that, that's why it shocked me. Yeah. I can understand that. Uh, I can appreciate it at least. And I, uh, I think what that showed, I mean, 1300 people for that, this size town when, when a lot of the student app state students were gone also. Right. And I mean, I have dozens of friends that wanted to be there didn't feel comfortable because of COVID because they're afraid they'd have to be too close to people and dozens more people that didn't know about it till it was over. Uh, I actually think that what's happening in Boone is there are two things at the same time. One is we have a long way to go and a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. The other is we are already way more supportive of pursuing justice than maybe we thought. And so I think it's and. it's both and it's there there are a lot of uh, broken things that need to be fixed, but also there are a lot of people that are pursuing what is right. And right. so it's 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 not like oh man this place is a disaster we got a lot of work and it's also not oh we're good we get it it's fine it's ne- it's not really that you know uh, but I was I was with you man I was so I was so happy to, I saw so many people that I knew. And there are just so many people that are eager to see justice, eager to not only live in, but help form a society to live in that is right and, mm-hmm. and start really living out some of the values, more of the values that our country on paper was supposed to be founded on. Right. And, and so... But I'm with you. I, I, I had a feeling that your response was going to be similar to that. I feel like I, I hear people say, like, well, there's not that many black people in Boone. And uh, that a, st- a, a statistic or percentage of the number of black people in Boone should not in any way mean that Boone does not want justice. Right. Um, it should not only be black people that want justice. It's really what I'm trying to say. Um, and so... What I want to do is, uh, this is a really, really big question, but maybe we can just kind of talk through it together, is uh, I, I call the next generation of justice mostly because, you know, I'm, I'm about twice your age, so you're a generation, you know, younger than me, and I, I, see, I see your generation being part of the formation of how this thing gets fixed and then also your it seemed like your reasoning had to do with your younger siblings or at least one and it's so it's I'm looking at you as a generation younger than me saying hey this is like I'm following you man and then you're also saying well I'm doing this for my sister and so there's like this generational we need to do something for the next generation so uh, what I want to ask is what does the next generation of justice look like What's what's next? What happens after 
you know, the rally was great and it made me feel good, so to speak. And even my kids, they said, I love the way that this, I loved this. Can we do it again? Mm-hmm. And, and we, you know, we had, a uh, we, we were in Chattanooga, Tennessee for a uh, Juneteenth rally. Mm-hmm. But that's just a rally. That's a walk. Right. That's a, uh, if it, like you said, out of body experience, it felt good. But what is, what does it really look like? What's next? Um, I think next has to be uh, accountability. I think that mm-hmm. that is the only way that what was said at the rally and what kind of vision that we all want to we all want to feel that type of way again. Like I've had a lot of people ask, ask me what's next or when's the next rally and things like that, and holding just your neighbor accountable and starting to build that build that unity i think that that's what the next generation kind of kind of looks like is just kind of because there's going to be kids like like your um, daughters or kids who are there that won't forget that there are some of the words or some of the experiences that some of the people have been through there and it's going to stick with them and they'll always show love to anybody which is how anyone should be raised in the home but i think that accountability is number one i think um some of the words that i had with um, chief andy after we had a couple meetings after that and just trying to make sure that even after all the um the momentum is over with and everything like that, that black lives still matter and that we're making a good effort to, um, to hold, he, he hold, to hold his department accountable for the actions that they do while also trying to form relationships between the black community that might've not been there before. Um, he had mentioned some of the programs that they try to do that he's going to try and bring back, which was, uh, coffee with a cop where you just go and you get coffee with a cop and I have a younger cousin who's going to be going to um, Watauga soon as well and he wants to be a cop when he's older but when he sees things like this on TV I mean he wants to go to the NFL first of course but obviously I mean don't we all <laughs> <laughs> uh, when he sees things like this on TV he's kind of turned away from wanting to be a cop so like having um the uh, pastor or um, officer cook there, him being able to see a black cop in Boone was so big for him because on all of chief Andy's um, out of his 37, 35 cops, I believe he only has one black officer. So my cousin doesn't see that in Boone. And I think the coffee with a cop thing, him getting able, being able to like meet local black cops or heroes that he can look up to. I think that that is something very important for that next generation. So I think just really holding each other accountable. I hold Chief Andy accountable as well as he holds me accountable for um, things that I say as well. So I think that that type of relationship is very needed and it can be very healthy as well. Man. Amen. That was good. Now, who who is the young man? I don't know how old he was, but kind of... um, a younger younger guy, I'm gonna guess early teen or like maybe not maybe elementary school that was leading some of the uh, chants at the rally that w- ended up kind of crying and a bunch of people kind of hugged him and stuff. 
Yeah, so that that's who I was actually just speaking about. That's my uh, little cousin, Kyle. He is um, 12 right now. He's going to turn 13 in a couple weeks. He'll remind you that whenever he can. Um, but, yeah, so he's about to be a teenager. He's really pumped about that. So um, he he is a very emotional kid. kind of reminds me of myself as a young man. Like, if I had lost a race at school, I'm crying my eyes out. If I had yeah. lost a basketball game in Pee Wee, I'm crying my eyes out. Like, I was very emotional about a lot of the things that okay. I did. And so when he cares about something, he gets really, really into it. And he gets really... He puts he adds his emotion into it. And it's a very yeah. beautiful thing to see because I also train him in uh, some football workouts because he wants to be yeah. in the NFL, like I said. So um, we do mm-hmm. a lot of football workouts at Ted Mack Fields and everything like that. And he won't stop. Like this kid yeah. has such a high motor. And yeah, he puts yeah. Everything that he has into it. Well, I mean, like, like you said, in Boone, North Carolina, a twelve-year-old young black man was leading. 1,300 people who were just chanting back whatever he said. Right. I can't even imagine, as a 12-year-old, regardless of gender, race, or even reason why you're there, the feeling of standing in front of 1,000 people and they just say whatever you want to say. <laughs> I mean, that's, right. a lot of, that's a lot on you in that feeling. So I, I, I totally, when he broke down crying, you know, it was like obvious that it was a joyful, appreciative, happy kind of vibe. And uh, I'm glad to know he's 12. That mean, What that means is uh, our, our oldest daughter will be in high school with him, even if it's only for one or two years. And, uh, you know, so he'll be leading her. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was – I wanted to make sure he was up there. And um, his little brother was also up there with me as well. He's only eight. Okay. Um, but I wanted to make sure – and my little sister – that they were there and they saw Boone out there supporting them. I think that that did so much positive things for them that it's, it's, I can't even put that into words, how great that was to see for them. And I know that they will never forget that moment. Yeah. Uh, they were super nervous at first. Didn't want to do it. Sure. And I was like, I promise you in 10 years, you'll still know the feeling of what you did today. Sure. And yeah, she did. So she really did great, cool man. To see them step up. They're so brave for doing that in front of so many people too. Yeah. She did great. I mean, most people, regardless of the context, when it comes to any public speaking or anything, you know, leading a crowd, it, it can be intimidating for all ages. I mean, it doesn't go away just because you become a grown up. Right. And uh, I was no, really I proud of her. Agree. Uh, yeah, what was it like um, preparing that speech? Your your speech. Um, so my speech, I had. Oh man, it was I, my speech wasn't written probably until the morning of my of the protest. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, because I had so much other things going on to try and organize and make sure all my um, everyone was in the right place. Everything was perfect to make sure that we had a really good um, rally. So I had gone out onto the parkway every morning, um, which I really miss doing in Boone, honestly, getting yeah. to drive that parkway. And I would just take my Bible out there, and I'd go out and read, and I'd take my dog out there as well, and I'd just go out there and just read, cry, and just relax for a little bit. Yeah. Just kind of like try to regain myself. So um, I'd been praying all week on for God to just kind of, Give me some light on what I need to say or what 
needs to be heard or what just like any type of direction of what I need to say. So um, I had no idea what I was going to say until <laughs> that morning of. And then I just kind of came to me and then I just started writing and I kept writing, I kept writing. And then I ended up with that. And then um, I read it to my mom that morning and she absolutely loved it. So I was like, I think I'm going to stick with this. And this was it because I really wanted to memorize what I was going to say, but I just, I couldn't even figure out what to put on the paper. It was just, it was hard for me to really do that until Mm -hmm. that day of. So that was really a God thing right there because, um, I had no idea if, um, Toussaint was going to talk. I had no idea if Pastor Reggie was going to speak. So it could have just been me. And then if it were to just be me, I would have been, I would have been even more like nervous. So, (laughs) Well, I want to I want to point people towards that. Uh, so you have a podcast, a holistic podcast that's on Spotify and Apple, and you just posted the audio of that speech, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, I posted the audio of my speech, and then um, I'm going to get clearance from Tucson and uh, Pastor Reggie to see if I can post their audios as well from their speech here soon as well. Yeah. So my dad is really good with like. The audio engineer type of route so i'm gonna mm-hmm. see if they're if they're willing for that i'm gonna put their speeches out as well so if you're listening still and you want to listen to his official speech you can go to holistic podcast you can find that on spotify and apple and you can also follow uh the podcast by going to at holistic podcast on instagram uh I, so here's kind of a closing you know this pod, my this things about things podcast. We try to simplify a concept without sacrificing depth. So we went through some of your story, some of your reasonings, and your process. Someone clicked on this, right? They clicked on. They want to hear next generation of justice with Raheem Andrews, and we're you know to wrap up this conversation. What do you want to say? How do you want to close? Anyone listening to this? What's the next generation of justice? And you have like a. A little, a little moment of the last, you know, last thought. What do you want to say uh, to us? I think that for the next generation, um, I think just to keep consistent in your beliefs and not wavering to what the crowd is doing for mm, sure. That's, um, that's probably something that I had to learn pretty young. It, especially just because of my situation and just being the only black guy in my in my class, though. But just being consistent. My parents have always raised me to do the right thing, no matter what everyone around you is doing. Yeah. So standing up for that coworker who might be, you know, like who might be being talked bad about, maybe racially, maybe not, maybe um, like sexism in a way as well. Like just sure. standing up for the right things. Um, because if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything. I right. definitely messed that messed that quote up very badly. <laughs> but uh, I know it's something along those lines. But yeah, I think just for the next generation as a last thing, stay consistent. Um, keep God first for sure. That's number one priority always. It's just keeping God first in your decisions and letting him. His plan is perfect. He has a perfect plan for all of us. So just really trusting in that and believing in that and following that is definitely a priority and everything else should come easy, I guess, right? 
<laughs> Man, thank you so much. I'm, I've learned so much from you. I'm thankful for you. Thank you for organizing that rally. Thank you for continuing to pour into Boone, even though you are moving on for a career outside of Boone. Uh, we, you know, we want to see you back anytime. Hopefully, you'll do the Boonerang thing and move back here. But it's okay if you don't. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Thanks for your example. Your, your, your strength your leadership, your wisdom, and, uh, you know, I consider you and and your sister and your cousin to be the next generation of justice in Boone and beyond. So, um, yeah, if anyone wants to, you can go to Holistic Podcast and listen to more words from Rahim as well as some of his friends, and you can also go to thingsaboutthings.com for more things. So thanks for listening. <laughs>